a restoration had to be made for those who committed sin. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. And I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We are in Leviticus, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, third book of Moses in the Bible. We're going to study Leviticus chapter six in about three minutes. It's going to be very, very interesting as we go through the Bible. Corey and Reiner here. Corey. Oh, yeah. I am taking a look at birds in the Bible. I'm excited. Ryan? <laughs> Today, I'm joined by Richard Fangrad, the CEO of Creation Ministries International Canada, to discuss evolution and its acceptance within the church. You know, that's really important. This is a really important discussion today, so that's good. Birds in the Bible, that's that's going to be excellent. They're coming up in about 15 minutes. I'm going to be listening for that one. What, you know what, how much I love birds. Yeah. What are you doing? I'm talking about being so thankful. All right. Take your Bible guide. Turn it out. Let's, let's study the book of Leviticus. Leviticus 6, 1 through 13. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, If a person sins and commits a trespass against the Lord by lying to his neighbor about what was delivered to him for safekeeping, or about a pledge, or about a robbery, or if he has extorted from his neighbor, or if he has found what was lost and lies concerning it and swears falsely, in any one of these things that a man may do in which he sins, then it shall be, because he has sinned and is guilty, that he shall restore what he has stolen, or the thing which he has extorted, or what was delivered to him for safekeeping, or the lost thing which he found, or all that about which he has sworn falsely. He shall restore its full value, add one-fifth more to it, and give it to whomever it belongs on the day of his trespass offering. And he shall bring his trespass offering to the Lord, a ram without blemish from the flock, with your valuation as a trespass offering to the priest." So the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord, and he shall be forgiven for any one of these things that he may have done in which he trespasses. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the law of the burnt offering. The burnt offering shall be on the hearth upon the altar all night until morning and the fire of the altar shall be kept burning on it. And the priest shall put on his linen garment, and his linen trousers he shall put on his body, and take up the ashes of the burnt offering which the fire has consumed on the altar, and he shall put them beside the altar. Then he shall take off his garments, put on other garments, and carry the ashes outside the camp to a clean place." And the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. It shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning, and lay the burnt offering in order on it. And he shall burn on it the fat of the peace offerings. A fire shall always be burning on the altar. It shall never go out. Leviticus chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. 
I remember when I used to do a program called Mad Friday, made and designed for duty. Uh, there was a lot of young people there. They were about, you know, eight, nine years old and all of that. We had about 100 people. It was awesome. A young lady came up to me and she said, pass the rod, pass the rod. I said, yes, because we were going through the Bible. She said, are we going to see Philetikus? <laughs> I said, you mean the book of Leviticus? She said, yeah, Philetikus. <laughs> These are interesting terms, aren't they? And as we study this today, we're going to focus on Leviticus chapter 6 as we study God's word and learn what he said. You know, the law of the burnt offering was unique and interesting. We learned from it that sin against another person, a neighbor, was to be considered a sin against the Lord. Sin against a neighbor was considered to be sin against the Lord. This is critical for us to learn. God expects us to live righteously and decently towards others. We're not to take advantage of people, but instead strive to help them. Jesus Christ put it this way. He said, and just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. Luke chapter 6, verse 31. The sin offering was a way men were given to make their unintentional sins atoned for, made right with God. The burnt offering was for a general sinness or sinfulness of the one making the offering. All of these point to Christ and awaited fulfillment in him for many generations. I want to tell you what Jesus Christ did was absolutely remarkable. And I want to tell you that, that if you really understand this, you begin to realize how much God did. Take your Bible guide and turn to today's passage as we focus on Leviticus 6. It is a great passage. And uh, I would say if you don't have a Bible guide, you can get one by writing us or calling us or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com and you can click on the Bible guide. It'll take you to a donate page. Thank you for your donation. Or you can go to BibleDiscoveryGuide.com and uh, it'll take you, of course, to the Bible guide. And it takes you, you can download it exactly how we printed it. And thank you for your donation. We very much appreciate it. Now, as we focus on this, let's take a look and pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask you to show us how this works. Show us the burnt offerings and all of what this means, Lord, that Jesus Christ did for us. In the name of the Lord, in the name of God, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we said together, amen. Chapter 6 begins this way. And the Lord spoke to Moses. If a person sins and commits a trespass against the Lord by lying to his neighbor about what was delivered to him for safekeeping or about a pledge or about a robbery or if he has extorted from his neighbor or if he has found what was lost and lies concerning it and swears falsely in one of these things that a man may do in which he sins, that it shall be because he has sinned and is guilty that he shall restore what he has stolen or the thing which he has exhorted or extorted or what was delivered to him for safekeeping or the lost thing which he has found. Did you hear that? Very important. You see, restoration had to be made for the sin committed. 
restoration had to be made for the sin committed. When we sin, we sin against God first. There is no hiding. We must restore what we have taken. (laughs) This is interesting, and it's hard to understand, but it's true. We have to restore what we've taken in sin, beloved. I remember somebody saying to me once, well, I I did this, but they didn't know about it, and I hid it, and you know, years later. And I I remember thinking about that, and I, I thought about it, and I prayed about it, and I said, Lord, there's some things I've done to people that I really didn't call back or talk to you back. And I I got on Facebook and I went through them all, as many as I knew. And I said, forgive me for this, forgive me for that. All the rest of it, really interesting, fascinating stuff. All right, let's read on because this is important. It says here in verse five, and this is something critical as we focus on it. It says, or all that is, or all that about which he has sworn falsely. He shall restore it in full value. Add one-fifth or more to it and give it to whomever it belongs on the day of his trespass offering. And he shall bring his trespass offering to the Lord, a ram without blemish from the flock with your valuation as a trespass offering to the priest. So the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord. And he shall be forgiven for any one of these things that he may have done in which he trespassed. Which brings me to this point, the second point. Restitution has had to be made plus a fifth of its value along with a restitution offering to the Lord. Now the idea is that God discouraged taking advantage of each other. I want you to keep this in mind because we can't always make restitution, but we need to take advantage or we need to take God seriously when he says this, beloved. We need to understand that, yeah, restitution has to be made. Now we go to Leviticus chapter eight, which is very interesting. Chapter six, verse eight. Here's what it says. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, command Aaron and his sons say this. This is the law of the burnt offering. The burnt offering shall be on the hearth upon the altar all night until morning. And the fire on the altar shall keep burning on it. And the priest shall put on his linen garment and his linen trousers. He shall put on his body and take up the ashes of the burnt offering, which the fire has consumed on the altar. And he shall put them beside the altar. And then he shall take off his garments and put on other garments and carry the ashes outside the camp to a clean place. And the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it, and it shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering in order on it, and he shall burn it, the fat of the pieces of the offering. A fire shall always be burning on the altar. It shall never go out. This is fascinating. Fire on the altar must be kept burning continually. It must never go out. I want to tell you, Jesus Christ keeps us clean before God. Jesus Christ keeps us clean before God. Beloved, do you know Jesus Christ? He has done so much for you. 
I want to invite you to come into his presence and make him Lord of your life because he forgives everything and he helps us to work it out. And if you need Jesus Christ, let me tell you, you haven't gone too far. Pray and say, Lord Jesus, I need you today. Come into my heart. I believe that you died on the cross and you rose again in the flesh. And I need you to heal me and forgive me of my sin and help me today. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, this is what I pray. And all of us said together, amen. All right, well, today, as promised, you and I are going to take a look at birds in the Bible, but we're not just going to go over birds that the Bible talks about. We're also going to go over, uh, you know, some of the domestication of domesticated birds, birds that they could eat, birds that they couldn't eat, um, hunting of birds as well in the ancient world and in Israel. Lots of good things to cover today, all because birds are mentioned in some of the sacrifices of Leviticus. So take a look. Birds were both a source of food and sacrifice in ancient Israel. Leviticus 11 and Deuteronomy 13 preserve for us the list of fowl that were ritually impure and therefore not to be eaten or offered to God as sacrifice by the Israelites. As a general rule, birds of prey like eagles and falcons and carrion birds like vultures and ravens were ritually unclean. On the other hand, birds like pigeon, dove, and quail were acceptable as inexpensive sacrificial animals and fine to eat. Based on archaeological work in comparison with other contemporary cultures, we can be quite confident that ancient Israelites, where available, also ate partridge, geese, duck, chicken, and ostrich, as well as various bird eggs. Hunting wild birds is spoken of quite often in the Bible, likely due to the fact that it was a very common practice and that it provided useful imagery to the authors and poets of the Bible. Amos 3 verse 5 references the practice of trapping birds with a net filled with bait and laid on the ground, and Hosea 7 talks specifically about the use of nets in bird hunting. These descriptions are given visuals thanks to Egyptian tomb reliefs and paintings showing various forms and stages in fowling. Nets and traps, the use of blinds to shield hunters, and the aftermath of birds in cages and baskets are all depicted. Famously, a golden fan found in the tomb of Pharaoh Tutankhamun is decorated with an ostrich hunting scene. The pharaoh on his chariot is shown hunting ostrich with his bow and arrows with the help of a dog. Similar methods of hunting are spoken of throughout ancient Mesopotamia, though not depicted quite as vividly as in the remains from ancient Egypt. People also kept and domesticated several kinds of birds. In Israel, this not only made birds more accessible for meat and eggs, but ensured that birds used in sacrifice to God, like doves, would be unblemished, undamaged by the act of capture. The many columbaria found throughout Israel testifies to the doves' domestication. 
It's also believed that by at least the latter half of the time of the kings of Israel and Judah, domesticated chickens were kept in the land. The history of chicken domestication is a complicated one, but their presence in Israel is known thanks to chicken bones found at Israelite sites. There's also a signet seal that was found at Tel Nazba that reads, belonging to Jazaniah, servant of the king, above an image of a rooster in a fighting stance. It's possible that this Jazaniah may be the officer mentioned in 2 Kings 25-23. Interestingly, the Bible also mentions the importing and keeping of exotic animals by rich King Solomon, which may have included exotic birds. It's also said that fattened birds were served at Solomon's dining table, meaning specially fed, domesticated birds. I hope you enjoyed that. And, and the reason that I, I thought I felt justified to do a segment on birds here in Leviticus is because, of course, when we're looking at the sin offering, right, there was options for people of different incomes and means. So you could offer a goat or a lamb if you were well off. If you didn't have enough money for that, you could um, offer two pigeons or two doves. And if you didn't even have enough money for that, you could offer a tenth of an ephah of flour, which I think an ephah, if memory serves me right, is about 22 liters, which would make it 2.2 liters of flour for a sin offering. Very interesting. <laughs> Excellent, Corey. Ryan. All right. Well, over the last couple of days, we've been talking with Richard Fangrad, who's the CEO of Creation Ministries International Canada, as well as co-host for the weekly TV show called Creation Magazine Live. And he's back today to talk to us a little bit more. And just to give you some context for what you're about to watch, I recorded this interview at a recent creation conference, and at that conference, some of the top scientists in the world came together to present substantial biblical and scientific evidence for a recent creation in six days, as the Bible plainly teaches, and biblical and scientific evidence against millions of years in evolution. And so with all this evidence against evolution that was presented, I asked Richard why he thinks some Christians, particularly those in academia, still hold to it. Now, we've seen a lot of uh, scientific evidence against evolution. We, we've seen it at the conference here, but it's, it's, this stuff is known about, uh, you know, well, well known about. So why do you think some Christians insist that God used evolution? Because creation doesn't sound smart. It doesn't sound intelligent to say, I believe that just a few thousand years ago, the entire human population came from two people who, by the way, were named Adam and Eve. And then about 16, 1700 years after creation, there was a global flood and the whole human population was rebooted from eight people. It doesn't, if, if you stand up in an academic environment today, university environment or whatever, or even a seminary or a Bible college, in, sadly, in many cases, there's parents that might be shocked at this, if you stand up and say, yeah, I believe that uh, God created recently in six days and, uh, and everybody goes back to Adam and Eve, you'll be laughed off those campuses. That's silly. We've grown beyond that. And, it's, and that's, that's part of it. And it's just, it's, that's a big part of it, actually. It's a big part of it. And yet here at the conference, we're hearing from some very well-educated folks 
many of whom used to believe in evolution in millions of years and have come to understand both the scripture and the science don't support evolution in millions of years. And it's just sad that this kind of information that, that the lovely people here are hearing about isn't out there more broadly. You know, you don't need to capitulate to evolution in millions of years. It might sound smart for you to do that, but it's wrong. The, there, the earth isn't millions of, there was nothing here millions of years ago. There was no earth, there was no time, space, or matter. There's, there's no millions of years. It just doesn't, there was nothing here millions of years ago. But again, in an academic environment, and that's the academic respectability is, is the philosophy in most forms of higher education today, in most in institutes of higher education, it's academic respectability. And in order to achieve that, you have to talk about these very technical things. So, so the, the simple idea that the Bible is true and that God created recently, it doesn't fit into that academic respectability model. It doesn't fit. It's, it's, it's too silly. It's right, but here we are. I really want to thank Richard for taking the time to join us over these past few days. And if you want to see the whole interview, it is available on this new resource called The World by Design 3, which has the eight interviews that I recorded at the Creation Conference. And remember to check out Creation Ministries International's website at creation.com. And do yourself a favor and also check out Richard's television program called Creation Magazine Live. It's available for free online at creation.com and other online platforms like YouTube and even our Bible Discovery family and friends stream. Yeah, and that's something that we stream 24-7, seven days a week. It's always up there. You go to our website or you go to Rumble or you go to uh, the, the uh, other places that we're on. And it's Bible Discovery TV family and friends or BD family and friends. Very interesting. Okay, Janice. Yes, I titled my segment, So Thankful. Because as we read through Leviticus, I don't know about you, but sometimes when we get involved in all of the details that we are reading, offerings with restitution, the law of the burnt offering, the law of the grain offering, the law of the sin offering, the law of the trespass offering, the law of peace offerings, and each one have certain regulations and commands that the Lord has set out for his people and for the, the priests to implement for the people. And Rod, I just am so thankful that the work was completed by Jesus Christ on the cross when he gave himself once for all. And while it is extremely important for us to read all of these things. I am so thankful as I'm reading through the completed work of Christ for us, that he is that ultimate and once for all sacrifice for us, that we no longer are under these circumstances and I, and, I, and I can't express my thanks enough to God. And I don't know if, if any of you have any comments that you want to make here as well. But just, and I know that each one, it's not an excuse for us not to read it because it's very important. Every word of God 
every word, because I've heard people say before that, oh, well, the Old Testament is old and the New Testament is new, and that's where we should focus. But that is not our understanding. It's not our practice here as a ministry. We believe in the whole Word of God uh, from Genesis all the way through to Revelation, and not just jumping over the things that we find maybe we don't think is important, but actually researching and knowing about. That's why we appreciate your segments so much, Ryan, and 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 including people like Richard and the different uh, scientists that you have um, interviewed over the last while. And Corey, your research done on cultural things and historical things that help put things into context so that we can understand in this day why certain things were done and how they still apply now. That's the thing. The Word of God is not something old. It's something that we can have that's very, very relevant in our lives today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I mean even when it comes to the 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 way that the sacrifices were were done, it does feel like tedious reading and it does overlap and 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 retell itself several times and it is really easy to kind of do one of those reads where you you read it and then you're like, "Wait, what? What did I just <laughs> read? The words kind of blend together." Uh, but it's good. It's good to know where things are in the Bible and it's good to know because it sets up the background for the day-to-day life of the Israelites or at least what it should have been mm-hmm. because then when you read later on in the time period of the kings, some of the some of the practices that were going on, you can go, "Wait a second, that doesn't sound like that's what it was supposed to be. And you can jump back into, into these areas and, and you have a greater context for understanding the rest of scripture. Yes. Mm-hmm. So when it you, actually is very helpful. Mm-hmm. When you read this, um, it's important to remember there are books like None of These Diseases by the late Dr. S.I. McMillan and then his grandson rewrote the book. Uh, that's, that's a great book. And, and it explains when you read through Leviticus, explains when you read through, of course, Deuteronomy, some of the laws there and what they mean. This is, you know, this is 1500 BC. So you're talking about, you know, 3,500 years ago. And there's all of this material that's tied up into telling us how you can, mold will hurt you. So don't, you know, don't get that. And it explains to the priest how to get rid of the mold. Very interesting stuff. So this is very good. Excellent. Okay. We're going to continue studying the Bible. We'll do more on this on the next program. I want to remind you that Rumble is a social media platform, which is a great platform. And we are on Rumble. We have our programs here on Rumble. So I want you to go there. It's also, we have our 24 seven live streaming channel on Rumble. It is a great place. Go there and check us out. Now let's pray. Father, I want to be close to you. Help me to understand what you're saying and help me to do the things you've called me to do because Lord, we need to make ourselves right with you right now in the name of Jesus Christ. And we all said together, Amen.